0: You are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Hello and welcome back to Where Your Treasure Is.
1: Well, you say welcome back and it is the start of season two. But maybe you're a first time listener, in which case, welcome. We're so glad you're with us. I'm Bex Elder, and my job is to steer our conversation as we navigate this faith
0: and finance podcast. And I'm Simon Glazier, chartered financial planner and podcast co host. And my job is to share with you the distilled wisdom and knowledge of 20 plus years working as a Christian in the wonderful world of finance.
1: In our first season, we covered a broad range of topics, from what money is, what the Bible says about money, some of the foundations of faithful finance, giving, borrowing, and investing. Towards the end of the season, we had a double bill on key life stages in financial planning.
0: And what was very clear throughout the season was that we could only really scratch the surface in terms of content within the confines of a single podcast episode. So we're going to delve a bit deeper during seasons two and three into some of those initial topics.
1: Season two is going to expand on the theme of life stages and we'll dedicate an episode to each of the eight key life stages that we summarised previously, from taking your very first steps in the world of faithful finance all the way through to receiving your treasures in heaven.
0: And season three is going to focus on some of the practical elements of managing money well whether it be pensions and ISAs, tax planning or investment funds. We want to equip you with the tools you need to be a good steward of all that God has given you.
1: We're going to be running both seasons concurrently.
0: That means at the same time.
1: Thanks, Simon. We're going to be running both seasons at the same time, this being episode one of season two.
0: Followed by episode one of season three next week. You see, we don't expect every listener to listen to every episode. Some of the Life staged episodes just don't apply to you. So feel free to skip the ones that you don't need and listen to the ones that you do. Right, Bex, I think that's more than enough by way of introduction. So tell us, where are we starting off today in season two, episode number one?
1: Well, where better to start than from the beginning? Back in season one, when we introduced the life stages, we talked about starting out as the first life stage. You explained to us about the PEPSI principle, which is an acronym for protection, emergency fund, pension, savings, and investments. And then you touched briefly on each of these during the various life stages. So is that the best place to start from again today?
0: Actually, I'm gonna say no. Firstly, a wee comment and then some direction, the comment. Not everyone listening to this will feel like they are just starting out on their financial journey. They may well be on in years, established with a family and a house and a career. They may even be financially secure, retired. There may still be value in this episode for you, though, whatever stage of life you're in. If you haven't been approaching your finances from a spiritual perspective, you can start out from wherever you are, right now. So that leads me to some direction. Bex, have you ever heard this phrase, lean your ladder against the right wall?
1: No, and definitely not in the context of faith
0: and finance. Okay, fair enough. Well, it comes from a phrase by Stephen Covey. He's the author of the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Now, the full saying is this, if the ladder is not leaning against the right wall... Every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. So think about these phrases you might know. Taking your first step on the property ladder or moving up the career ladder. The idea is that throughout your life, we should aim to progress one rung at a time up the ladder towards greater and greater, well, what? Greater wealth, greater success, greater recognition, greater power, When you put this into the Christian context, we begin to realize that many people, and to be honest, often we ourselves, spend time and effort trying to climb up this metaphorical ladder that takes us actually further and further away from God. So right back in our second ever episode, we started to consider what does the Bible say about money? This needs to be the starting place for anyone considering faithful finance. The Bible says so much about money and we need to try and get a right understanding of that before we can hope to be wise with our money choices. I
1: think I know what you're getting at, but could you maybe give us an example to help put this in a bit of
0: context? Yeah, sure. Um, So the first one that comes to mind for me, and we've mentioned this before, it comes from the Bible. It's in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10. And it says this, for the love of money, Is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So Bex, if I said to you, do you want to live a life where you pierce yourselves with many griefs, you would answer? No, thanks. Exactly. What if the question was this? Bex, do you want to wander away from your faith? Definitely not. Of course not. So we have established that you shouldn't set up your ladder against this wall called money. If you spend your life climbing that ladder, pursuing greater and greater wealth, you run the risk of falling in love with money and then exposing yourself to those dangers that the Bible highlights.
1: So being aware of that, what can I do to start out on this journey of faithful finance and not have money as one of my goals?
0: So remember back in season one, I explained that money is a tool, and as such, it should be put to good use. And a good way to protect yourself from making money a goal in your life is to always set your goals in terms of your spiritual objectives, and then decide how to use money to achieve that goal. I think we should be taking the bull by the horns and start with the toughest one, okay? If you want to live a life of generosity, and I firmly believe that Christians are called to be generous, both to God and to others, then we each need to prayerfully consider how much we should give and that we should give first. It's not a case of meeting all your other financial needs and priorities first, and then giving to God out of what is left. We should plan and be deliberate and choose to give to God first for what we have received and then we live on what is left now that can be incredibly hard to do at times i understand that but god is more than capable of honoring our obedience now beyond that consider these types of goals so you want to grow in faith and closeness to god then You should commit your time and your effort and yes, some of your money in pursuits that grow your faith. Or let's say if you're married and you have a family and your goal is that you want to show your love to your spouse and to your children, which I would certainly recommend that you do, then spending money on them in a way which demonstrates your love could be a good use of your resources. If this is a topic that's of interest to any of our listeners, then I would strongly recommend a book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages, which will help you find out how best to show love to your spouse and your children. And one more example. If you have the gift of hospitality, then it is totally appropriate for you to spend money on food, to be able to invite people into your home to be able to share God's love with them. But a word of warning here, however. For some people, it may be appropriate for them, maybe, to buy a bigger house than they need so that they can exercise this gift of hospitality, inviting people for meals or offering a spare room for people who need a place to stay. But don't let this become an excuse. Oh, I'm going to buy a bigger house because one day I hope that God might give me the gift of hospitality. And we'll talk a bit more about this when we cover the life stage of buying a house.
1: So while this is incredibly helpful, it's also deeply challenging. Do you really expect us or is it realistic to base all our spending decisions on spiritual goals?
0: I want to say yes, but the answer is no, not every decision, begs. What I think is incredibly helpful is to establish some major life objectives, which set you on the right track. So let me tell you about some of those objectives that I've set for my life and my wife and I have discussed and talked about over the years to try and establish good money habits. So when we got married, in fact, before we got married, we had to discuss and agree our attitude towards giving. If you're going to spend your life with somebody who then disagrees with you on something as fundamental as money, that's going to cause some challenges, albeit not insurmountable ones. So we managed to agree what percentage of our income we were going to give to the church, and then how much more we might give to other charities. And I'm so glad we did that because so much easier to keep giving in the future when our income then rose over time. And then when we got married, we had this hope one day, maybe God would call us to be parents, we would have children. And yes, eventually we did. But we made a choice right at the very start that we wouldn't commit to careers that required us to always work full time or be away from home a lot. So that when the time came, we would have a bit more time to spend with our children. Now, that's not right for everyone, but it felt right for us. When our children were born, we each made then career decisions to work part-time so that we could both spend some of their formative years caring for them. Now, we could certainly have earned more by working full-time. Actually, a point came when that earning would have more than covered the cost of childcare. But that would have meant spending less time with the children. And that didn't meet our life objective. And then when we bought our first flat, we decided we would try and get the mortgage paid off. And we kind of picked an age by age 50 would be quite nice so that we might then, because we were forward thinking, have some money left over when the kids were old enough and needed to go to university and we could help support them in that. And then a few years later, we bought a bigger house. So we had space for the children, but we stuck to that commitment to pay the mortgage off by age 50. Now, that meant that we had to spend a bit more money on the mortgage. And we couldn't buy as big a house as the mortgage broker said that we could have, or might have wanted us to. Now, I look back on some of those decisions that were made more than 20 years ago. And actually, I am so grateful for my younger self for exercising a little bit of godly wisdom I have been climbing a ladder. My wife has been climbing a ladder. Almost our family has been climbing this ladder knowing that when we get to the top, we'll be happy with the destination that we've reached. Each decision has had financial implications, but they are much easier to accept and to follow when you have a destination in mind. But I probably should point out at this stage before my wife does, I haven't always got it right. And sometimes I've had to backtrack and reset those money decisions.
1: Wow, you've definitely set us some challenge there, Simon. And it's been really interesting to hear a bit about your journey with money and priorities. I wonder if you could talk a bit about some of the practicalities of managing money wisely.
0: Okay, so we're gonna be running season three in parallel over the coming few months we'll be digging much more into the practical aspects of money. In fact, it would be worth listening to season one, episode four, on those foundations of faithful finance. But here I'm going to expand on just one of those foundations, which is budgeting.
1: So I know you've mentioned budgeting before, but I'm still not very excited about hearing more. So what can you do to convince me that budgeting is actually a really good thing or something that I should be interested in?
0: Okay, a question, Bex. Do you like going on holiday? Absolutely. Easy question. Of course. Now, give me an idea. What would be a dream holiday for you? So
1: one of my very good friends lives in Houston. And so my current dream holiday is to go over for spring migration, all the birds coming back from down south, which also coincides with the rodeo. So I think it's the perfect combination. Either that or going to Australia and visiting the set of the now deceased soap neighbours.
0: Wow. Okay. I'll go with one of those, maybe not the other one. I'll not tell you which one would be my choice. Now, how much do you think one of those holidays, or in fact, both of those holidays might cost you?
1: Uh, Probably thousands of pounds.
0: Yeah, probably thousands. That makes sense. Now, if I told you that there was a way for you to get to go on one or even both of those holidays, would you be interested? I'd be very interested. Okay. Well, that is what budgeting does. It helps you spend money on the things that you want to spend money on. Now, in very simple terms, it works a little bit like this. So you have to start by identifying what money you have coming in. Now, that might be salary from a job, your earnings, or from self-employed income, or it could be benefits that you receive, or it could be pension income that you're receiving. Now it might be regular. Every month you get the same amount, or it might vary. Now, I know we've spoken about this, Bex. That brings its own challenges when money isn't coming in regularly.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, so identify income. Then you identify your core expenses. Now, as I mentioned briefly before, for many Christians, the first expense that they would have on their list of core expenses would be giving how much they give to their church or how much they give to other charities. And then after that, I'm talking about things that you have to spend money on. For most people, that means on food, on clothing, or on shelter, a place to live. It covers things like the weekly shopping, the cost of gas and electricity, which we all know right now is going up pretty fast. It could be rent or mortgage payments. And if you have a car, it could be the loan payments on the car or it's fuel, it's insurance. Now, After those core expenses, there are some other expenses that aren't quite so essential, but might make life a little more enjoyable. Perhaps it's paying for a TV license or a Netflix or Spotify subscription. It could be gym membership or a coffee on the way to work in the morning. Maybe it's having some money set aside to spend on a meal with friends or going to the cinema. Now, I'm going to touch briefly here on the topic of Debt, which we also talked about last season. Debt is where you have borrowed money to buy something now, but you spend your future income repaying it. So, UBEX, for example, you might choose to borrow some money to take that dream holiday over to America or Australia. Or perhaps you pay for it on a credit card. But then you have to spend the following months or sometimes even years paying that money back. And all that time, you're also having to pay interest on the money that you have borrowed. This is like the opposite of budgeting. When you budget, it lets you work out how much money you have left over, if any. And after those core expenses and after those lifestyle expenses, you can then choose how you allocate the leftover money. And it could be towards saving up for your holiday. Each month, you will have a choice do I want to spend money on more takeaways or shall I save money so that I can go on holiday sooner? Neither is right or wrong. It's just a choice that you have to make. If you don't have an idea of money that you have coming in and where your money is going out, you then can't make good decisions based upon your goals of where to spend your money.
1: So you gave the example there of saving up for a holiday But I'm assuming the same principle works, whether it's for buying a house or a car, paying for a meal or buying Christmas presents.
0: Yeah, it does. The more deliberate you are about choosing how you spend your money, it's a concept I call giving every pound a purpose. What is this pound going to be used for? Then the better you will be at stewarding what God has given you. And that might mean anticipating a future expense that you know is coming up. I'm going to save money now to pay for Christmas when it comes so that I don't have to borrow and end up paying it back in the future and paying interest.
1: That's fantastic. But I'm sure many listeners, for all sorts of reasons, are saying things like, yes, but you don't understand my situation. I can't do it like that. What would you say to people who feel like that?
0: So... I'm a firm believer in that budgeting will and can help everybody, but it needs some time and it needs some effort to understand how to do it or how to do it well for you in your circumstance, whatever that might be. It might be that your starting out position is well I've made some bad choices in the past, I've maybe filled up on debts because I didn't quite understand it and Now my core expense is repaying stuff that I had and have used years ago and maybe is broken or I haven't got anymore. If you are already struggling with debts, then I would strongly recommend getting in touch with one of the many free debt support charities. And I would absolutely recommend an organization called CAP, Christians Against Poverty, for the work that they do. Now, if you're not in that position of struggling with debt, but you need more help getting to grips with managing money then cap run a brilliant money course as do another christian charity called crosslight also called the money course committing some time and effort to understanding budgeting and learning how to do it well that will have a profound impact on your financial future which will in turn have a profound impact on the rest of your life i would strongly encourage anybody actually, at any stage in life, to get to grips with the idea of budgeting, practice it, start doing it, and then you will reap the rewards.
1: I'm going to have to draw things to a close there, Simon. I know we could say so much more, and we will be saying more in the coming weeks as we cover more life stages and more about practical finance. If you have any questions you'd like us to cover in a future podcast, then please drop us an email at where your is at freerangepodcasting.co.uk. And if we don't hear from you, you'll be hearing from us next time you listen to Where Your Treasure Is. Bye. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by Freerange Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.